Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Pray with me. Father, we come to you. Glad to see you today. I hope you're doing well. You look well. Some of you are even smiling well. And that's great. I love to, love to see those smiles. That's a good thing. Hey, before we dive into uh, the scripture, I want to just share a couple of things real quickly. And we're going to start in Deuteronomy 7. We're going to be all over the place. But we're going to start in Deuteronomy 7 today. Um, but before we get there, just a couple of things I want to share. Uh, some of you know, uh, because you track with us on Sunday mornings, that last Sunday evening, we were having our quarterly family meeting, and in that, we were going to be conducting some pretty significant church business. I have served on staffs of Baptist churches for 42 years of my life. I know that's hard to believe since I only look like I'm 43, but it's just true, I have. And I have had the privilege and honor of doing that. I have never been in a Baptist business meeting over something as emotionally charged as property that was as beautiful as it was last Sunday night. 
The spirit of the living God was present. He manifests himself through unity. He poured out himself uh, on those who were in the room. And there was a spirit of unity among us that was beautiful. It was just, it was, it was, it was a God thing. I don't know how else to say that. He was in the room and everybody that was there knew it. And, um, you know, it, it, it really doesn't matter how the decision turned out. I will tell you that it was decided to unanimously to um, sell that property. And so we've already started a conversation with another church uh, about that. And um, they're praying through what to do about that right now. So pray, uh, just, just pray for that church. Um, I'm not going to name them right now, but just, just pray for them because they're processing that. Um, and it, it was just a great thing. God, God is moving. Uh, God has moved, I think, in another beautiful way. Um, we moved the thermometer up here just to show you that God's Spirit has been moving on you and on our, on our congregation. And you have generously and sacrificially contributed. We're just a few hundred dollars shy of, of $40,000 uh, just crossing that barrier of our $50,000 goal to, uh, in our comfort zone campaign to purchase another unit that is just about fried um, to keep this place uh, environmentally controlled. And so I want to praise God for his spirit moving in that way. Um, God's spirit moved in, in another way on a, a family a, in, in our church that's a part of our church. And he moved on them, it was actually months ago about this, it's just coming to fruition now, but they generously have donated to uh, all the work and labor and cost associated with doing some remodeling and renovating on these three large rooms, these classrooms, uh, down this hallway. And this actually ends up being six classrooms because there's petitions in them. But they're, they're making a significant investment in uh, just beautifying and making them more practically useful. And uh, that was just the spirit of the God poured out on them to do that. And, and we're grateful to receive it, very thankful for their, their generous gift. That's just, that's God. He's moving. And we're grateful. Uh, last week when uh, Brian Miller, Pastor Miller, a missionary from uh, Colombia, Medellin, Colombia, was with us sharing. He's written me since then to talk about you and how many of you blessed him personally, uh, spoke to him, how many of you expressed an interest in going and ministering in Medellin, Colombia. And so we've started a conversation about what that would look like in the days ahead. God is moving. Um, I'm praying that God is going to move in a really uh, dramatic way next Sunday and give us a day as beautiful as today, but about 10 degrees cooler. Um, that's, if you're going to make a request, make a request, baby. Um, and so uh, next week, our, we're having our picnic in the park, and it's a, a day of pray and, and, and praise and play, and we're just going to come together. Both our services, our 9, 9.30 service and our 11 o'clock service, we'll, everything will meet out there. Um, the, I don't know what time the gates open. I think the gates open like at 8, but uh, we have the shelters booked from 10 to 4 p.m. Uh, for next, next week. And so we want to encourage you to come out and bring a picnic lunch for you and your family and maybe one other person because sometimes we just have people from the park come and join us, and that's always cool. Make sure that you bring some lawn chairs, uh, a blanket for, for you all to sit on or whatever you want to sit upon. Um, it's going to be a great day. Uh, the, the cost is like $2 a person to get into the park. If you have one of those Charleston County Gold Passes for their parks, that'll get you in. 
Um, but we, we want you to come. This is also a great service to invite a friend to that the Lord has put on your heart that you've been thinking, I'd like to invite them to something at church. Well, this would be a great way to introduce them to River Bluff Church. It's a day out of the park. Bring yard games. Uh, we, we, we hang out and have fun and fellowship and just it's an enjoyable time. So I just want to encourage you um, to, to take that step. We have a, uh, oh, yeah, I forgot that. Um, on you version, you're going to get something, an email about this this week with a link. But on you version is where we're going to put all the, the words to the songs and uh, any message notes or anything like that that we need to get to you so that you can download them and have them on your phone. We did this last year uh, so that uh, you'll have something to sing from if you want to do that when we worship together. So all that's coming. There is going to be, can you go to that? Yeah, there'll be no classes or services on campus, no live stream, and all the details. You can try to scan that with your phone. We don't know how clear that's going to come out, but you can go to our website and get all these details. Um, if you need them. One more thing that I want to say, if you are uh, challenged with some kind of physical difficulty, we don't want you to not come. Uh, we've got a golf cart brigade that will be there to help transport you right out to the field, and we'll, we'll do everything we can to accommodate you and, and uh, help you, because you're part of our River family, and we want you there. It, 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 it would not be a family picnic without you, so please, uh, please plan to come. Okay. Grab your Bibles, if you would, and uh, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 7 in just a moment. Uh, before I go there, I just want to give you a little contextual background. Um, God's people had been in captivity, in brutal captivity, to the um, Egyptian Pharaoh for 400 years. And God decided he was going to set them free and, and deliver them. And so God did that dramatically. He took them out into the wilderness to take them to the promised land. They were going to have to cross a desert wilderness to get to the promised land. Um, along the way, they were very faithless towards God, um, but God was not going to be unfaithful. But he did, he did discipline them, and he, he led them into a wilderness wandering for 40 years. Um, and in that time, what God was doing was God was getting that slave mentality out of them and putting into them a faithful mentality to follow him. That's what God was at work doing in those 40 years. And God knew that they were going to face um, a brutal enemy when they got there. See, God 500 years earlier had given this land to Abraham. He had promised this land to Abraham, and then because of a drought, Abraham moved into Egypt, and that's where the captivity came about, uh, out of that. But now God's delivered his people and taking them back to the land that he had promised and given to Abraham even before the captivity. But God wanted them to know something about him before he would deliver them, before he would take them through battles that would give the promised land to them. And so if you've got a Bible, I'm going to be reading out of the New Trans Living Translation this morning. And I'm going to, uh, we're going to be in, in Deuteronomy chapter 7. Did I say we were going to be in Deuteronomy? Okay, good. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 7. I'm going to start reading in verse 7. It says this, The Lord did not set his heart on you, and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations. So it didn't have anything to do with their size. 
He said, you were actually the smallest of all nations. He said, rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you. And he was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. That was to um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, uh, that is why he rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Verse 9. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. Grab hold of this next phrase. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations, lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him, and obey his commands. This is the word of the Lord. One of the things that that nation was concerned about in their day was their future. There was fear among them going into this new promised land. They, they did not know fully yet how to face the future uh, as people of, of great faith. And so God declares to them this reality about who he is. He is the faithful God because God is wanting them to face their future with faith in who he was. Now, friends, we... We live in a, a, a day and, and a time where it feels often like we're caught up in kind of a strange reality. It's, it's hard, you know, to, to feel safe and secure in the, the world in which we live. And we wonder oftentimes, I think, how to live in the tension between this, this insecurity and this desire to, to, to prosper. And it's, you know, it's, it's easy to to kind of wonder out loud even and think together, you know, can there, be, can there be these peaceful pastures in a time of such great spinning chaos? And it causes all of us to think about the future and how do we, as followers of Christ, how do we follow God in, in the future? And the fact is we've got to go back to this reality and it's this, that our faithful God the faithful God, he's already in the future. He's already there in the future. And so that gives us a capacity to trust him. And there's three things about our God, our, the faithful God who is in the future that God wants us to know. There's many more things, but I just want to give us three to kind of launch us today. The first one is this. God knows everything that's going to happen in the future. Our faithful God knows everything that's going to happen. He can see it all. He's not limited by time or space. Hebrews 4.13 says this, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before him. See, God, God has the capacity to be in the past and present and future all at the same time. He sees it all at once. It's kind of like um, the, the last time I ran, well, it was more like run-walk. The last time I did kind of the run walk of the Cooper River Bridge run, um, I, I calculated after everything was done that just about the time I was putting my foot on the first span of the bridge, the Kenyan was crossing the finish line. Okay? Now, nobody on the ground could see those two things happening at the same time, but that's, they were happening at about the same time. And interestingly enough, had you been in a hot air balloon or a helicopter high enough and had powerful enough binoculars, you could have watched as he crossed the finish line and then looked over here and saw me hit the bridge for the first time. It had to do with your perspective, where, where 
where you were. You, you, if you were high enough up, you could see the front of the pack. You could see the middle of the pack. You could see me at the back of the pack. You know, we, you, you, you could see all of that if you had the right visual vantage point. See, God sees the future that way because he's able to be in it all the time. That's why you'll never hear God say, oh, really? I didn't see that coming. He, he won't say that. You'll never hear God say, oops. You know, and you never want to hear your surgeon say that either, by the way. You know, you, you, you don't. God's not going to say that because he always knows what's going to happen. Psalms 139 has these words to us. It says, before a word is out of my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. God knows what you're going to say before you say it because he's in the future. He, he's, he's already heard it. And because God is in the future, he, he knows it before you speak it. Psalm 139.16 says this, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. This is one of, the, one of many big reasons why abortion is wrong. It short circuits God's plan for life. God has, has a plan for a life. He, he has days allotted for someone, and then someone comes along and snuffs it out before they're even born. See, God knows. He knows what's going on. There's nothing he doesn't know, and nothing's going to surprise him. And this leads to something else that God says about your future, and it's this. God has a plan for my future. God has a plan for your future. God has thought more about your future than you have. He spent more time thinking about it than you have. He has plans for your life. He thought them out. We read about that understanding of God having plans in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Many of you know this verse. God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They're plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and, and a hope. I hope you saw those words. God has a plan for your welfare. God has a plan for your future that has hope in it. They're good plans. Plans to give you hope. Plans for a future not to harm you, but to good plans for you. Now, here's the question about God's plans. Can I miss out on God's plans? Can, is there something I can do to miss out on God's plans? And I would say that there are millions of people all over the globe who are doing that all the time. Missing out on God's plans. And I think you can miss God's plans because of several things. Apathy, arrogance, ignorance of God's plan. Ignorance that there is a God who, who has a plan. I think we miss it oftentimes, uh, even as Christ followers, um, through maybe rebellion. When God tells us to do a certain thing and we choose not to do that certain thing God's way, well, we will miss out on some of God's plan for my life when I choose my way over God's way. Some people say, well, Joe, why, why do you think that, you know, people miss out on God's plan? Well, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 is a big reason why I believe that. It says this, God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But you and I know that there are a lot of people in the world who don't know God, who've never uttered the name of Jesus, who've never put their trust in him, so they won't be saved. They're going to miss out on God's plan for their lives. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan. And he has a good plan. And 
here's the deal. You get to choose whether or not you want in on God's plan or not. You can choose to miss it or you can choose to swim in it. God says something else about your future. And if you trust and follow him, it'll, it's this. God will be with me every step I take in the future. God will be with you every step you take in the future. He's going to be with you. Some of you know, not everybody, but some of you know, most of you, that um, a few months ago uh, I had open heart surgery. And um, on the night before that procedure was to happen, uh, we had kind of thought it out and decided it would be best if Kathy went home and tried to get some sleep that night. Um, I, she was unsuccessful is what she tells me. Um, I wasn't there, so I don't know. Uh, but we also, as we were preparing for her to have to leave that evening, uh, you know, I was hopeful she'd stay as long as she could, but we got word that a storm front was coming through. So we wanted her to get home before that happened. So she left, you know, late afternoon. And, um, and sure enough, a storm rolled through, and it was rocking and rolling. And I was watching out the window of my hospital room looking at, uh, at the Ashley River, and it was a storm. Uh, it was incredible watching palm trees sway and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, it, the, the storm came through, blew out to sea. Um, while there was still enough light, sunlight, for a rainbow to be put in the sky. And I sat in my hospital room on the night before I was going to have my chest cracked open. And you can call it whatever you want to, but God gave me a rainbow. And for me, what that said to me is, Joe, I'm with you. Joe, I'm with you. I'm never going to leave you. Never going to I, I'm with you. I will be with you today. You know, I was the only one in my room right at that moment. But God was with me. And God was reminding me of what he had done to save his people. Back in the book of Genesis, when he hung the rainbow. And I knew that God was with me. Friends, Hebrews 13, 5 tells us that this is a promise from God. God has said, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. He's the faithful God. And he's promised this. Now, truth is, none of us know what's going to happen to us in the next 365 days. You know, we, we, we don't know over the course of a year what will happen to us. But regardless of what happens, what we face, if you put your trust in Jesus, you'll never go through it alone. God has said, I'm faithful and I will always be with you and I'm going to keep on being with you. That's the faithfulness of the faithful God. So, big question is, how do I trust him? How do I, you know, put my trust in this faithful God? What would it look like? How do I, how do I step into these promises? What, is, what, is, what does it even mean, this, this faithfulness thing? Well, here's one thing it means. It means God can't lie. God, God himself can't lie. He can't ever break his promise. God, God always does exactly what he says he will do, the way he says he will do it, when he says he's going to do it. No exceptions. He's God. Even if you are faithless. Look what Paul, writing to his young protege, his young disciple Timothy, he writes these words. He says, Paul, even if you and I are faithless, even if you and I are not faithful to God, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. It's just who God is. Friends, if somebody ever asks you, is there anything that God can't do? You immediately spawn Yes, God cannot be unfaithful. 
He can't. It is impossible. He is the faithful one. He keeps his promises. He does what he says. He abides in truth. He is the truth. He always keeps his promises. Psalm 145.13 reminds us that the Lord is faithful to all his promises. Every one of them. He, he, he can't break them. I remember years ago, I read, uh, I was reading some writings that one of the theologian had written about the promises of God. And he, he said he had gone through all of Scripture and counted over 7,000 promises in the Scripture. Some of them were the same ones repeated, but over 7,000 promises in the Scripture. I haven't done that. I just trust that the guy was telling me the truth. But God has made promise after promise after promise in this book. And he is faithful to keep every last one of them. And I want us to look at just five. These are what I will call maybe five of my favorites, at least this week. These are five of my favorite promises that I believe that will help us face the future with faith if we'll step into them. If we'll believe them and put our trust in them. If we will trust the faithful God. Here's the first one. I can trust the faithful God to guide me when I'm confused. And for me, that's a lot of times. Okay? There's just a lot to be confused about in this world. And it oftentimes leads us to a fear of facing the future. Because you don't know what you're going to do when you get there. You don't know what you're going to face, what it's going to look like. You know, what am I supposed to do? Will I cope? What will the problems be? And, and we get so filled with questions. One thing that you can count on in your future if you are trusting in this, this, this God, he's going to be there. But here's the other thing you can count on. You're going to have to make decisions in the future. You're just going to have to. And some of you hate to make decisions. Some of you are already dreading making the decision on what are we going to have for lunch. You just hate making decisions. Where are we going to go? You, know? you, you, you hate making decisions that much. Oftentimes, probably not about lunch, but oftentimes we hate making decisions because we're afraid we might make the wrong one. And, and that concerns us because we've made wrong decisions before. And so this whole idea that our future means that we're going to face challenges. We're going to face decisions, and it can be confusing. And so we just need to say it out loud and admit it to ourselves and to, and to God and to one another. Life is complex. There, there aren't, you know, just always easy solutions. If you've ever known someone or maybe you've been someone who who've had a loved one that ended up on life support for a season, there's no, there's no answer to why for that, you know? There, you, you just can't go there. Life is complex, but God, God is faithful and he said you can trust him and he will guide you through this. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Many of you know it. It's one of my favorite Old Testament passages. And it tells us to trust in the Lord with all our heart. This translation says don't rely on what you think. The way you think. Don't do that. Remember the Lord in everything you do and he will show you the right way. See, the, the issue, the big issue is when you come to that point of having to make a decision is what, who's going to be the source of your counsel? What is going to be the, 
final authority in your life. When you don't know what to do and you're confused, who are you going to look to? You could phone a friend, but chances are they're no brighter than you. You could, you could Google an answer or go on social media and see what everybody else thinks because everybody knows that always gets us where we need to be. You know? You could call a psychic hotline. You could crack open a fortune cookie. You could, you know, check your biorhythms, whatever those are. You know, you, you can do all those kinds of things. But God says, oh, that's a bunch of hooey. God says there's only one surefire, 100%, totally reliable source for your future. God says that's him, the faithful God. He's there already. He says, trust me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Acknowledge that you have, don't have it figured out. Put your trust in him, and he'll direct the way you should go. So how do you get to God that way? How do you, get, how do you access that guidance that he wants to give you two paths. It's actually one path. It's a two-way street, though. You read the Bible, this book, and you pray, and you do it regularly. You read the Bible, and you pray. You do it regularly. If you haven't started that as a habit, pick it up. Begin. If you want the access, this, this source it, of God, this faithful God, you do it through his word and through prayer. You need to develop a line of communication because he's going to be with you. He's going to guide you every step of the way. Another of those promises that you can, I, I believe, face the future with faith if you'll step into knowing faithful God this way is that I can trust the faithful God to assist me when I'm tempted to assist you when you're tempted. Friends, there are a lot of things that are going to change as you go into the future. But here's some bad news. i got to give you the bad news before I give you the good news. This is the bad news. One of the things that's probably never going to change completely is you're probably going to be plagued with the same temptation that you are mostly plagued with now. I know some of you are saying, you're kidding me. I'm, I'm not kidding you. It's just the truth. Satan knows what your great temptation is. And he's going to push that button. And this is how he pushes mine. And my guess is that's how he pushes yours. Over and over and over and over again. Because he knows what your weakness is. See, we all have dispositions towards something we all have areas of weakness we all have certain kinds of struggles and satan is going to continue now i'm not saying you can't have victory in these you can have victory what i'm saying is when satan comes at you he's probably going to keep coming at you that way so you just need to be prepared for it you can have victory you can you can see god growing you and and, and in fact as you grow in your faith guess what satan does he comes at you harder because he knows that you are an enemy of the kingdom of darkness. And the more you walk with Jesus and the more you want to tell other people about the goodness and beauty of God through his son Jesus, the more you're going to get. 
Because that's what he does. That's who he is. So you just need to be prepared for it. And know this. God has promised something in this arena. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, God says, And no temptation is irresistible. So, if you come to me and say, Hey, Joe, I just couldn't resist that temptation. I'm going to say to you, Liar. Well, I'm going to say God said you're a liar. Because there is no temptation for a child of God that is completely irresistible. They can be, I'm not going to call you a liar. I know some of you look worried. So just, I'm not going to do that to you. But I will take you to this verse and say, you know what? God has said that there's no temptation that's completely irresistible. Because he's going to be with you. Look at this. He says you can trust God to keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. For he has promised this. Remember, he's the faithful one. And he said he will do what he says. He will show you how to escape temptation's power so that you can bear up patiently against it. So you don't have to walk in fear that you're always going to fail when you're tempted. You don't have to walk in fear that you're always going to stumble when the temptation comes. You don't have to fear that you're going to to relapse. God is with you. He is going to be with you when temptation comes, and he's going to give you a way of escape so that you can stand against it. Now, here's the deal. You got to take the way of escape. He's going to give you that escape hatch, but you got to choose to take it when he brings it. And that's a choice you and I have to make. And you don't, so because of that, you don't have to be intimidated by your past problems. You don't have to let them overwhelm you. While you won't ever outgrow being tempted, you will have a power available to you in in the Lord. See, being tempted is not sin. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way like we are, but he did not sin. You don't have to sin when temptation comes. Because God wants to give you a a, a way of escape. And so when Satan comes along and he says, well, you know, I'm going to tempt you with this. You're probably going to do it again. You're probably going to fail again. You're going to fall again. You're going to get back into that old habit again. Here's what you say to him. Take a hike. I got an escape hatch. I'm taking my escape. I'm I'm, I'm pulling my my card. I'm throwing it down. You got to take a hike. And the Bible says when you do that, when you take God's way of escape, when you trust the faithful God to guide you and assist you in temptation, that the devil has to flee. Now, if you don't take the the temptation, escape, he doesn't have to flee. But he has to flee because that's the way you resist. So, see, God's got this. And, And... God sees the temptation coming around the corner when you don't. So he's, that's how he can provide a way of escape because he sees it coming around. Have you ever, one of the things I love to do, my wife doesn't like it when I do it. I love to drive in the mountains. I just love, and I love to drive a little faster than I should. I love those curves. You know what I hate? I hate getting behind a giant RV with a bumper sticker on it that says, I'm spending my kid's inheritance. You know, like that, that's so original. You know, and they drive two miles an hour, and they're sightseeing. They've got to see every leaf that has changed color, you know. And I'm thinking, let me go. I want to go. 
but you can't go around them because the curves are blind. Here's what I want. I want a helicopter that follows me on my mountain trips everywhere I go. And I just call them on my mobile phone and say, can I go yet? Can I go yet? Can I go yet? Because they could tell me, yeah, you got two miles, open space, take off. Or no, there's a semi around the next curve. It's perspective. God has that perspective on how Satan's going to tempt you. And that's why he always has a perfect plan of escape for you. He knows. He's the faithful God. He's already in your future. You can face the future, even temptation, with that faithful God. So you know that. Third, third thing. Third way to face the future in faith is knowing that I can trust the faithful God to support me when I'm overwhelmed. I was surprised at the numbers of hands that went up in the first service. Well, not completely. So I'm going to do it again. How many of you at some point this past week had a feeling of being a bit overwhelmed by something? Hmm. That's pretty pretty synonymous with what went on in the first service. Friends, we just live in overwhelming times. You know, technology is still moving so fast. You know, things that we take for granted today didn't exist 10 years ago. It blows my mind, you know, when we think about this, you know. Problems that we face today, we would have never faced 10 years ago. And that those things are multiplying exponentially the speed at which it's, it's changing, you know. Some of us, if, if the law of averages weigh out, some of us this coming year will end up with facing some severe illness, maybe a cardiac event or cancer or something like that. Some of us in this room, again, law of averages, may have a child to take some paths that, uh, as a parent, you wish they hadn't. Uh, There are all kinds of things that can happen. You may face a big financial challenge. You may lose a a job. Things, Things are going to happen. So what do you do? Do you panic? Do you, you know, pull the gate up, fill the moat with water and sharks and just try to hunker down, lock the doors? No. You trust in the faithful God who says that he will support you when you're overwhelmed. Look at Isaiah 43 says, starting in verse 2, it says, God says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, friends, when you're stressed out, when you're feeling pushed down, when you're feeling oppressed like you can't go on, it says you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God. He's saying he's faithful. He, he is the faithful God. He will be with you when you're overwhelmed. He says, I will help you. Some of you know this. Some of you have faced these kinds of painful things in life. The loss of a job. Financial difficulty. Cancer. The other things. And God says, I will give you strength when you need it. Now, here's what God's not going to do. God is not going to give you all the strength that you need for that day today. He's going to wait and give it to you that day. He's not going to give you all the strength that you're going to need to get through the next year today. He's going to give it to you when it comes. In that day, 
in that hour. His timing is going to be perfect. So no matter what you face tomorrow, God is going to give you the strength you need to get through it. That's why Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough concerns of its own. Trust me today. His, his mercies are new when? They're new every day. Every day you get renewed mercy for the day. That's God's plan. So you can face the future with faith because of that. God says when you're overwhelmed, I promise you I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support you. I'm going to, I am going to be with you, but I'm going to support you. I'm going to, I'm going to strengthen you. You can face the future with faith. You, you can do that. It, it, it is possible. You know, a fourth area where we can face the future with faith is, is in the area, I don't know about you, but every time I open my news feed on my phone or on my computer, you can almost without, for me, I read something and I, one of the first things, I, that is so unfair. They're just, it seems like the world is completely unfair today. Criminals go scot-free after millions of dollars are spent on a three- or four-year trial. You know, they just, they just walk away. Innocent people suffer. Dishonest people prosper. It just doesn't seem fair. But, friends, got to grab hold of this. I have to grab hold of this. God never says this world is going to be fair. It's an imperfect place. It's, it's brokenness. It's marred by sin. There's going to be prejudice. There's going to be hate. There's going to be injustice. You're going to be put down by people. You're going to be cheated by people. You're going to be treated unfairly in this, in this world. The question is, how do, how do you handle it? How do, how do you face these kinds of things in our world today? And oh my goodness, political correct words. You know, I mean... Just thinking about, am I using the right words or is somebody going to sue me, you know, if I don't use the right words? Things like, it's no longer proper to call somebody bald. You know, they're follically challenged. You've got to call short people like me vertically challenged. You know, it's no longer, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm never overweight, I'm nutritionally enhanced. You know, you've got you to use these these phrases, you got to get the right words out there in this, in this day. And it just doesn't seem fair. So what do you do? Well, here's what God says you do. God says, don't you waste one single moment trying to get even. Don't you, God says, don't you as a follower of mine ever seek revenge yourself. God says, let me handle it. He says, let me handle it. This is that fourth thing. I can trust the faithful God to defend me when I'm offended. I can trust the faithful God to defend me when I'm offended. Why? Why can I trust him? I'm glad you asked. Look at Romans 12, 19. The Lord says, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine and God says, I will repay. God says, I'll take care of it. 
I can depend on him to defend me. I'm going to sneeze just in, in any given moment here, just so you know. I'm trying to keep from it, but it's going to happen probably. You may be hurt by people. You may be victimized by people. Do you think that God didn't see that? He sees it. He, he knows when somebody offends you, when somebody hurts you, whether it's he's seen your financial hurt, he's seen your emotional hurt, he's seen your physical hurt, he's seen your spiritual hurt, he's seen it all. And here's what the Bible says he's keeping a record of all of. The Bible says that God keeps your tears in a bottle. God knows every hurt you have ever faced. And he says he's going to settle the score one day. When he comes back and puts everything right, he's going to settle it. So he says, don't waste a moment of your time. Don't waste a breath of your life trying to get even. Think, think of it this way. God says, okay, here's your two options on this getting even thing. You can do it. Or you can let me, the God of all creation, the God of angel armies, you can let me handle it. Now, here's the question. Who do you think could do a better job? Who has greater resources to handle it? Well, of course, God does. And so I don't have to handle it. I can, I can trust in him. I can turn to him and, and know that he's going to defend me. Not long ago, I had a member of our church ask me to pray uh, with them um, because they have been, they have felt, experienced um, persecution from extended family for a long season. And so they don't enjoy like, you know, like going back home to be with this extended family. But somebody in the family got sick, so they were going to have to go. And they, they asked me to pray, just asked me to join them in praying um, that, that God would, you know, go before them and that God would handle it. And, and so... Um, I did. I, I, I committed to pray, and I prayed, and I actually shared a passage of Scripture with them, and I felt like the Lord prompted me to share. It's uh, Exodus 14, 14. Hangs over my door. You've heard me talk about it before, um, and I try, to, I, I try to think about it every time I walk under it, um, just, just what it says and the promise of God there, and it's simply this. Exodus 14, 14 says, the Lord will fight for you if you will just be still. The Lord will fight for you if you will just be still. When they got back from their trip, one of the things that they reported was God was in the whole thing. They, they took it to the Lord. They trusted God to defend them. And they got to see God do miraculous. God, God even showed up in helping them with flight arrangements that were changing in, in, in this crazy world of you know, trying to catch a plane. Um, God, God showed up. God, God moved in that way because he is the faithful God. Here's the last thing I want to share with you about trusting this faithful God, and it's this. I can trust the faithful God to reward me when I'm faithful to him, to reward me when I'm faithful to him, when I do what he wants me to do, when I do the things that his word calls me to do, when I live life his way, it's not overlooked. God God notices that. God not only sees your hurts and captures them, but he sees your obedience and he captures it too because he's going to 
reward. Now, a lot of people, a lot of believers go through this world, and one of the temptations they face, they, they start asking the question, why do, why do I live for God? I keep getting trampled upon. Why, why, why do I try living for God? Why do I do the right thing? Why do, I, why do I need to have Christian ethics in my business world when everybody else is dog eat dog? You know, why, why do I do this? Why, why, do, why do I, you know, try to do, use good judgment when, quite frankly, when I try to do the right thing in the work environment, people scoff at me and, and say things like, who do you think you are, you know, when you try to do the right thing? Sometimes I hear people say things like, you know, I try, I try, to, try to love my spouse. I try to do so much for my husband or my wife. I try to do so much for our kids. They don't even notice. Or I try to, I try to, I try to be a good employee. I try to be productive at work. I, 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 my boss couldn't care less. They never, never have an attaboy for me or never, never put a good word. They don't even notice. That all may be true. But God notices. The faithful God, he sees that. He notices every time you do the right thing. He notices everything you do that is good. Hebrews 6, 10 says this, God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him. You know, Jesus said, if you even give a cup of cold water to somebody in my name, It'll be acknowledged by God. You'll be rewarded for it. See, our faithful God rewards when we're faithful to him and to his word and to his challenge for our lives. You know, anytime you do anything that puts someone else above yourself, God says, I'll remember that. We have people, this is the honest truth, we have some people who park out in the rock so other people can have the paved parking spaces. That's why they park there. Now, you know, next week, the, there's no going to be anybody parking on the... It's okay to park on the asphalt, people. You know, I'm just saying. But I know some people who do that so that somebody else can have easier access uh, because they feel like God has given them strength to, to do that. And, and, and so they do that. God sees that. God knows the motivation of your heart while you're doing that. So how do you take that into the future? See, no matter how many days you have left, let me suggest something. That you focus those days on being a person of faith in the faithful God. And not just faith, but a servant of faith. That you serve God by serving others. You serve the faithful God by, by serving others because he is a God who rewards. Hebrews eleven six says this, anyone who wants to come to God must believe that there is a God and that he rewards those who sincerely look for him. Friends, there's no greater way to sincerely look for God than to serve him, serve his purposes, serve others in his holy name. The faithful God rewards his faithful servants. Okay, real quickly, I'm going to summarize. God wants you to know that he's the faithful God, and you can depend on him to guide you when you're confused, to assist you when you're tempted, to support you when you feel overwhelmed, to defend you when you're offended, and to reward you as you are faithful to his call on your life. 
Now, in light of all that, how can we not face the future a little differently? Even though the world is in a mess, the world in which we live, even though your world right now, your, maybe your own family might be just in, in a train wreck right now, the faithful God is still faithful. He's still with you. And it really comes down to this. Will I trust him? Well, I believe that God will do what he, what he said he will do when he said he will do it the way he said he will. Because if you, if you will, you can face the future with faith instead of overwhelming fear. It's your option. It's my, my option. You know, I can face, I can, you know, deal with the world myself and I will probably have to live in fear or I can deal with my world by faith in a faithful God. The faithful God who always keeps his promises. Some of you know this about the Apostle Paul. We're going to read a closing verse in just a second. It's from Philippians 4.13. But the guy who wrote it, the Apostle Paul, actually was an enemy of Jesus for a while before he became a follower of Jesus. He persecuted Christians. And he radically came to know Jesus one day in an incredible encounter. And he came to completely put his trust in the teachings of Jesus, the words of Jesus, the faithful God that Jesus is. And he writes these words, and he writes these words from prison. He knows that he's probably going to be executed for his faith, but he writes these words. He has, says this, Philippians 4.13, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. Jesus, no matter what you're facing or going to face in the future, wants to infuse you with inner strength. But you got to do something to receive that inner strength. Here's the first thing you got to do. You got to admit the fear that you're facing. You, you got to go to God and say, God, I don't know why this is happening. You know, I, I, I don't know why this person in my life has cancer. I don't know why I'm facing this, this event. I don't know why I've got this job loss. Jesus, I don't know any of what's coming around the corner. Jesus, I'm worried about the economy. Jesus, I'm worried about the wars that are going on. Jesus, I'm worried about the elections that are coming. Jesus, I'm, just admit to the faithful God that you struggle. You got to admit it. You got to take it to, to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm coming. Just telling you the truth about the heaviness of my heart. And then the second thing you got to do is you've got to ask Jesus to infuse you with his power. You got to say to Jesus, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. I want your power to, I, I, I need your strength. Be, God, be strong where I, I'm weak. I'm, de- I'm not going to depend on me anymore. I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to put my future in your hands. And then third thing, step out and do it. Literally do the right thing. Do the right thing. Do God's, do God's will out in the world. And remember, God's not going to give you the strength to do that today. He'll give it to you when you face it. That's when you're going to get that strength. But ask for it. Admit that you need it. You may be here today for the very first time, and the thought that God of all creation would give you strength to live is a new thought. And the starting place is the same. You've got to admit that you need God. You've got to ask for his power in your life. You've got to confess and agree you can't do it on your own. You've tried it. You've failed. You've sinned like the rest of us. 
And, and then you've just simply got to step out and trust that he's God and that he's faithful and you can follow him. Pray with me, okay? You can, you can take that first step of faith today. If, if you're here and for the very first time you come to understand that there is a God, that he is faithful, and you, you want to put your trust in him, you can do that right where you're at. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so you can just call on Jesus right now and say, Jesus, I come admitting that I've been facing my future with such great fear. And I don't want to face it like that anymore. I want to face, I want to face the future with faith in you, with confidence in you, trusting in you, the faithful God. I believe the promises that we've talked about today, God. I believe that you're going to assist in me when I'm tempted, that you're going to help me when I'm overwhelmed. God, I believe that's who you are. I trust those promises. So I want to give my life to you, to follow you, to do things your way. I repent of my sin. I repent of trying to be my own boss. I turn away from that, and I turn to you, God. You can pray that right where you're at. Just call on the name of Jesus. Tell him, I'm trusting you, turning from me. The Bible says you'll be saved. You tell Jesus that you want him to infuse your life. Most of us here today have been people who are acquainted with faith, but it's been a long time since we've exercised our faith. And maybe today, maybe today is that fresh start when you look back and see now the faithful God who keeps all of his promises, who will always be there, who will never leave you or forsake you, who is always for you, has better plans than you can ask or imagine. He's there. Maybe today you just need a fresh start in saying, Jesus, I'm going to face the future differently because I see you as the faithful God who will never let me down. And I'm putting my trust in you again and again and again because you are the faithful God. Lord, we come in these moments, however you might lead us, Holy Spirit. Speak to us now. We come, and we come to worship you as our God who is filled with faith. The faithful God. We worship you. It's in your son's.